0: So I drive to J.R. Ryder's house, the address I have, and first a kid answers, then a woman comes to the door. And I tell her I'm looking for J.R. Ryder, I'm a writer, And then J.R. Ryder comes to the door, and he doesn't look happy at all. And he's like, who are you? I'm like, hey, my name's Jeff Perlman, I'm a, writing a book about the Lakers, and you were on the Lakers. And he's like, whoa, you just show up at my door? Are you kidding me, you just show up at my door? Bro. No, bro, no, bro, that's so no. (laughs) Then he opens the door and he comes out. Definitely bigger than I am. (laughs) Bro, what the f***, man?
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 21 of Chatter Up With Your Hosts. Myself, Bobby Rubin, and the man... The plan was a cousin named Stan, Jared Wizell. How you doing, man?
2: Bobby, well, we said for
1: episode 21, we were gonna do the show drunk,
2: so I am wasted. I assume you are as well.
1: Yes, wait, wasted or high? <laughs> yeah, right, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. We have an awesome episode this week that we have never been this excited to give to you guys. We obviously have another What Did I Miss, where we'll get into the top sports headlines of the week. We'll do another trivia segment. And perhaps most importantly, we have our biggest guest of the year the one, the only New York Times bestselling author, Jeff Perlman. Jared, this is so exciting.
2: Bobby, the people are going to love it. We love the interview. I think everyone's going to get a lot out of it, a lot of fun with Jeff Perlman. So get ready.
1: I'm ready. I'm set. And let's go. And let's chatter up. Week 21, Jared. 21 weeks we've gone through the top sports headlines of previous weeks. This week is no different. Let's jump right into it. What did we miss this past week, Jared? Bobby,
2: we bring it every episode. Episode 1 through episode 20. We bring it hard every time. But you know who didn't always bring it hard this year? The Los Angeles Clippers. whose oh. season ended last week in an epic collapse after going up 3-1 in a seven game series against the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference semifinals. The Clippers proceed to lose games five, game six, and game seven. Again, in an epic fashion. Not even really showing up, just getting completely blown out. Were you as shocked, Bobby, as I was to see just a complete no-show from the Clippers?
1: Yeah. I mean, you and I spoke about this last week. From the beginning of the season, it felt like destiny to have the L.A. teams really do it, go to the Western Conference Finals and battle it out. And it all, honestly would have been really cool to see the Clippers do it, just because they always feel like the little stepbrother to the Lakers for pretty much ever. And what I told you was that Kawhi Leonard had to be the best player in the game for them to win. He had to be the best. I don't even know if he was top four in that game. Him and Paul George combined for 24 points. Jokic was great per usual. Murray was great per usual. I wouldn't say it was a shocker just because the Nuggets are a great team and they already did it once. But to see the top two players on a championship caliber team like the Clippers basically not show up was at least a little surprising.
2: For me, it was shocking. It really was. Watching that game seven and the Clippers were up double digits in the second quarter and then just got just completely railroaded in the second half. And I really watched that game thinking every time Denver's lead grew a little bit and the time continued to shrink, I just kept saying, OK, well, there's still 12 minutes left. There's still 10 minutes left. Like the Clippers mm-hmm. will turn this around because as much as we ragged on them last week about playing as if they're entitled to be in the Western Conference Finals throughout the entire season – Up until that point, any time they needed to win a game, they did. Mm -hmm. And when they needed to flip Mm -hmm. the switch, they were able to. And, of course, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have to take a lot of criticism for, like we said, just not showing up. I mean, zero points combined between the two of them in the fourth quarter with the season on the line. Now, it's hard to really get all over Kawhi Leonard because of his track record. Obviously, he's a two-time NBA Finals MVP. He is, at worst, the third best player in the league behind LeBron or Giannis. You can make the case that he's the second best player in the league. I don't think after this anyone would say he's the best player in the league. But he's, like we said, at worst, number three. But Paul George, really, I almost felt bad for him. I mean, look, it's easy to criticize Paul George. He wrestles his way out of Indiana, wrestles his way out of Oklahoma City to come to what looked like the perfect situation as the clear second banana, didn't have to carry the team on his shoulders, and just didn't show up at all. The stats don't lie. He was a complete non-factor in Game 7. It was hard to watch a guy that I think a lot of people going into the series would say this guy is at worst top 15 player in the league and he looked like a 15th man. And I think it's going to be a very long offseason for Paul George and I wonder what happens with Doc Rivers. Both Kawhi and Paul George are only guaranteed to be Clippers for one more season. They have opt-outs after next year. So it's not as if they can just say, all right, well, we had a good first season. We'll build on that. And, you know, hopefully this leads to a long run of success. It could be over next year. And so the pressure is on the organization to get it done. And I wonder how that affects Doc Rivers.
1: To an earlier point you made, I don't think that anybody's reputation and track record exempts them from criticism. For sure, Paul George, I mean, (laughs) your heart goes out for the guy – to a certain extent but he just didn't show but also I mean Kawhi's the guy you said it yourself Paul George's second banana Kawhi's the guy and he did not show I mean just not at all in a completely unacceptable way yeah what happens to this Clippers team if they don't win next year or even if they do win either way I'm not convinced that we'll see this same squad pass next year can they do it next year I don't know. LeBron's another year older. Eventually he's going to have to slow down, although it looks honestly like that's probably not true. But, yeah, super surprising. Shame on Kawhi. Shame on Paul George. But honestly, a lot of credit. A lot of credit to the Nuggets who are, again, down in the series. But that's that's another topic.
2: Speaking of that series, Bobby, we're now two games in. The Lakers won game one and scratched and clawed their way to win game two, a big Anthony Davis game-winning three at the buzzer to put the Lakers up 2-0. At this point, with the Clippers out, with the Bucks out, the two teams that I think going into the playoffs, everyone would have said, are the two biggest obstacles to a Lakers championship. Can and will anyone stop the Lakers at this point?
1: The only team that I could see really pulling this off is the Miami Heat. Now, we have counted out the Nuggets twice now. So for me to say there's no chance of them coming back would be the most foolish thing. But I don't think they're going to do it. They had game two. Honestly, all they had to do was rebound. If they had rebounded that one three at the end, they would have had it. Murray swats it out after not getting any blocks. It goes out of bounds. Davis gets a three Sure, I think the Lakers move on to the finals. I think they probably play the Heat. And like I've been saying for weeks, the Heat just feel like a team of destiny. I mean, come on. (laughs) If there was a team this year that's going to do it, it's going to be the Heat. Do I think they will? Probably not. I feel like LeBron feels his window for winning a championship is rapidly closing. Although maybe he doesn't. I don't know. He seems superhuman at this point. But I think the Lakers go to the finals. I think the Heat go as well. I think it's a really competitive series, but I think the Lakers take it in in six.
2: And that would be an awesome series. I think the storylines are obviously there. LeBron obviously left the Heat a few years ago on bad terms with Pat Riley. You have one team that everybody expected to be there with two of the five best players in the league. And you would have another team in the Heat that no one expected to be there, right? A team that I think everyone going into the season thought, okay, this is obviously a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. Maybe they can make some noise. But they're not actually a threat to win the title, and, and yet there they would be in the finals. You're right. We haven't given the Nuggets enough credit. We've counted them out all playoffs long. We just spent five minutes bashing the Clippers without really giving the Nuggets any credit at all for coming back in that series after doing it the previous series against the Jazz. I think it would be hard to win four and five against the Lakers. I, I can't see a collapse like the one that befell the Clippers happening to the Lakers. It just You're right. I think LeBron, he's at the end. Of, I mean, towards, you think... He's towards the end of his career. I mean, the guy's a cyborg, so maybe not. But if we assume he's actually a human being, he has to be at least on the back nine. Mm -hmm. And you'd think, Mm -hmm. like we said, with the the perceived two biggest obstacles out of the way, would smell blood and a chance to win another championship and add to his legacy. And so I I think it would be hard for the Nuggets to do it. The Heat, look, I'm not going to say the Lakers will, will easily beat the Heat because, like the Nuggets, the Heat have proven us wrong round after round after round. We both thought a team with Jimmy Butler as its best player could not win a championship, and yet here they are up 2-1 on the Celtics going into Game 4 tomorrow night. And that series is certainly far from over. I would not put it past the Celtics to come back, but at least through the first three games, the Heat have certainly looked like the
1: superior team. And so a Lakers-Heat Finals, I think, would be a lot of fun. It would be so fun. The only thing I'll say is that of the remaining teams— I honestly would put Miami third out of three on teams that match up well against the Lakers. The Nuggets, I think, match up pretty well. I think the Celtics could be an interesting one. I just, you know, is Adebayo the answer for Anthony Davis? I I don't know, man. And like, who's guarding? I guess, I guess Butler's guarding LeBron. Yeah, you throw
2: Iguodala on him for a few minutes. I mean, he can't obviously do it to the level that he did it a few years ago. But, I mean, both of those teams, the Celtics and the Heat, have a bunch of long wing guys that you can throw at LeBron. And, of course, no one's going to stop him, but at least make him work hard between Crowder and, and, you know, Adebayo for a few minutes and Butler. There is no answer for LeBron, right? We've seen that throughout the course of his entire career. The guy made a 16th All-NBA team this year in 17 seasons. It's ridiculous. But... I do think they have guys that can make life difficult for
1: him. Yeah, for sure. And all those guys are, are probably all stars and, and highlight real players, which leads us into NFL week two. Highlight real players, no more. We have Saquon Barkley out for the year. George Kittle, McCaffrey, Drew Locke, Devontae Adams, Nick Bosa, all missing significant time. Huge injuries, Jared. Is there something to this that we missed, or is this just some weird coincidence that the faces of football right now are on the injured list? Hey, Bobby, it was an absolute bloodbath
2: on Sunday. And you just listed off a bunch of them, and there are even more that we didn't even include. The amount of notable players that suffered injuries, some obviously you know, significant season enders like Saquon and Nick Bosa, some – you hope, just short to intermediate-term injuries like McCaffrey and, and Kittle and Devontae Adams. But, look, we'll never be able to prove it, of course. I can't help but think that this has to do with the fact that this was the weirdest offseason in the history of the league, probably, right? I mean, no one knew if there was going to be a season. For a long time, it looked like there wouldn't be one. There was no preseason games. Training camp was not a regular training camp. And so it can't be surprising to see the amount of injuries. It sucks to see it to anyone. Obviously, for the big names like that, guys who are looked at as, you know, significant franchise players, it it really sucks. It sucks if you had the second pick in the draft and drafted Saquon Barkley, if that applies to one of us. I don't know.
1: Cool. Cool. Cool dig.
2: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, on on the one hand, it's like, look, this is the NFL. Injuries are just a part of the game. This is always going to happen. But knowing what we know this off season was, it's hard to think this doesn't have at least a little bit to do with that.
1: It's weird. It's so weird. And, you know, the 49ers players were, were complaining of what they called long and sticky grass. Yep. Which was super weird. You know, when you, when you think about the grounds of a football stadium, especially a stadium as new as MetLife, which isn't crazy new, but you know, relatively right. That like, that would be taken care of. But, There's got to be something there. This is ravaging fantasy football teams for sure. But also, I mean, God, the the Giants alone with Saquon and Sterling Shepard both hurt. I mean, it's rough to be a fan of these teams right now and just watch your your top players go down. But, hey, this is sport they play, and it's next man up, and you hope that they're back soon.
2: Yeah, what's crazy is the 49ers are due, I think, to play there again next week, to back-to-back weeks on that field, which they can't be comfortable with. And look, it sucks for the Giants that Saquon got hurries out for the year. I don't think anyone thought the Giants were going anywhere this year, but for the 49ers to lose Nick Bosa for the year, that's really significant. I mean, obviously that's a team that was in the Super Bowl last year, team that has Super Bowl expectations again this year, and to lose maybe their best defensive player for sure their best defensive lineman, that is huge and really kind of opens things up in the NFC.
1: It really does. I think we all just, like, you know, after week two, we all just really need to readjust our expectations of what we thought this season was going to look like.
2: Speaking of readjusting expectations, Bobby, we had two really crazy games this week. You had the Pat Seahawks Sunday night game, which was probably the best Sunday night football game in in years. I mean, to see what Russell Wilson did – and to see how good Cam Newton looks, it was a hell of a game. And the Cowboys, the Cowboys coming off a week one loss against the Rams, which no one could really blame them for, followed behind 29-10 to 10 to a team in Atlanta that no one really thinks is that good and come all the way back to win the game and get back to 1-1. One one. Now, both of these teams are 1-1. One one. Do we have to readjust our expectations for the Patriots, who I think a lot of people thought, we're not going to be relevant this year, having lost Tom Brady, having had a bunch of guys on defense opt out, and conversely for the Cowboys, who I think a lot of people pick to come out of the NFC and through two weeks don't look to be that scary. I think
1: we do. I think Cam Newton is being Cam Newton, you know, and he's a yard away from going 2-0. and That team is coached by the greatest coach in NFL history. It's hard to count them out of any game. Do I think they're Super Bowl contenders? I didn't think it before. I don't think it now. But Cam Newton looks good. And his arm looks good. Clearly, he looks healthy. Good for them. I think the Cowboys, the Cowboys are something else, man. They lose week one. Everybody's freaking out. And they had no business being in that week two game. It was just oddly reminiscent of when the Falcons were in the Super Bowl. It wasn't the same when they were up twenty eight to three, but same idea that everybody thought the game was over. Then they outscore them sixteen nothing. Then they get that crazy onside kick, and you're giving up thirty nine points. You're not going to win if your defense looks like that. You're just you're just not. Now, granted, that's not a trend, and neither is scoring forty points. So, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. But I don't know, man. That Cowboys team does not look good. The NFC East looks bad. It looks really bad. So if there was a year for the Cowboys to be bad, I guess this is it. Hell, the Washington football team is tied for first place. Give me a break. I mean, I think the Pats look good. I think the Cowboys we absolutely need to readjust our expectations.
2: I am so happy for my guy Cam Newton, who looks great through two games and we'll see if this continues, but any team could have had Cam Newton this off season for nothing. Sign with the Pats for a minimum deal. And through two games, the guy looks to be back as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I think there are a lot of GMs out there who have to be thinking, wow, I can't believe I had a chance to get Cam Newton for nothing. And I stuck with Mitch Trubisky. Whoever else you want to throw out there, guys that are just nowhere near what Cam Newton is. Now, is he going to stay healthy the rest of the year? Hard to say. I mean, the Pats are using him a lot in the run game. He's taking a lot of hits. He's a big guy, and he can take it, but we'll see if over the course of 16 games he's able to hold up. But if Cam Newton continues to be Cam Newton, I do think the Pats are at least contenders to come out of the AFC. I mean, I, I wouldn't put them yet on the level of the Chiefs and the Ravens, but when Cam Newton's on, he's about as good as anybody. When I mean, you have a coach like Bill Belichick and a quarterback like Cam Newton, you can compete with anybody.
1: I agree. I think that's very true. But I think there's a large gap between the two teams you mentioned and everyone else. It's not to say that it can't happen. And if it could happen, it could, could come under a Belichick team. But that Belichick team is going to have to have Gilmore stop everyone. And he didn't do that last night. He was exposed. And he was exposed by the Russell Wilson, which conveniently pivots into our next point. Russell Wilson dominated again and it's not to say that we haven't seen russell wilson dominate before but he is on another level these first two weeks probably not sustainable but nine touchdowns nine touchdowns and on absolute dimes he is dropping it in there the throw he had to david moore the throw he had to metcalf the four yarder to lockett i mean he looked brilliant he looked mahomes level brilliant
2: Mr. Unlimited, Bobby, this might be the year that Russell Wilson wins MVP. Look, it's only two games, so it'd be ridiculous to to make proclamations after two games of who's going to win MVP and who's not going to win MVP. But through two games, Russell Wilson has been, by far and away, the best quarterback in the NFL. And you heard them talk about last night on the broadcast that he has never gotten an MVP vote before, which which is an amazing stat. I mean, the guy you know, there may not have been ever one year where he was definitively the best player in the league, but he has, over the course of his career, continuously been one of the three to five best quarterbacks in the NFL. And for a guy like that to have never gotten an MVP vote is amazing. And he continues year after year after year to just prove doubters wrong, that he does belong in the conversation with guys like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, look, I think he's probably the second-best quarterback in the NFL right now behind Mahomes. You can make the argument that Lamar Jackson is number two, and he's obviously the reigning MVP, but if we're looking at track record and how the guys are playing right now,
1: I think at worst Russell Wilson's number two. Is there an argument to be made that if you're a team that's down five with two minutes to go and you can choose any quarterback that you would choose Russell Wilson? Is that a legitimate argument that anyone can make? I think so.
2: I mean, he, he seems to never make mistakes. He always makes the right play. He always seems to know where to go with the ball, and that's exactly what you would want from someone in that type of situation.
1: And he's mobile, you know? I mean, he'll go through his second, third, fourth, and fifth read, and he won't see it. He'll read again, and then he'll figure out a way out of the pocket, around the line, and scramble for four or five yards, which either is a first down or brings him pretty darn close. He's – such a gamer, and, and the fact that he's never received an MVP vote is absolutely absurd. Russell Wilson
2: played part of his college career at the University of Wisconsin, Bobby. And the University of Wisconsin sounds like we'll be playing football again this year as part of the Big Ten's return to college football. Obviously, we know about a month ago, the Big Ten announced that there would not be a football season this year. And it w- they were criticized a lot. And in the last few weeks, there's been a lot of pressure as more games have been played in the NFL and in college. There's been a lot of political pressure. And it looks to be that the Big Ten will actually be coming back this year and playing football. Does this surprise you, Bobby?
1: Does it surprise me? No. Does it disappoint me? Yeah, I'm disappointed. I felt like they were doing something special because as a Maryland Terrapin alum and fan, I thought it was cool everybody else is playing and them in the Pac-12 were not. And now they're coming back and it just looks dumb. I don't know, man. I don't know what else to say about this. I just, I feel dirty being a part of this. It just, it doesn't feel good. I know everyone else is playing, but I don't know. It's weird.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's obviously a money grab. They saw all these other schools playing and and making money and We've talked about before on this podcast how much money is being lost due to the pandemic, and, it hurt, and it's hard for colleges. You know, they, they make so much money off these football programs. It really supports a lot of the other sports, and so I can understand just from that perspective why it's important to have football back, but it just makes them look so ridiculous. For some reason, they had to be the first to announce they weren't playing. And now, after watching everybody else play, it just looks like they're bowing to the pressure of saying, like, oh, you know what? Actually, like, maybe we were wrong. Maybe, And maybe they should be commended for that in an ideal world, you know, if they thought, all right, you know, their answer this week has been, well, a month ago, we didn't think it was safe. Now that has changed. You know, we have more answers. We've talked to more people. We, we actually think it is safe to play. Is that true? Probably not. I'm sure, like we said, it's just a money grab. But, I mean, I guess you're happy for the athletes that, wanted to play and especially for guys who this would have been their last year of eligibility it's I don't really know how to feel about it Bobby it's 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 a catch-22 feels shady
1: but speaking of money grabbing and we'll make this the last thing the MLB is talking about keeping these expanded playoffs eight teams out of the American League eight teams out of the National League beyond this weird 60 game season
2: you in or out on this Jared hate it I hate it so much and I was someone who when this weird 60-game season started, said, like, try everything you want. Who cares? Like, this season is just an experiment anyway. Just try any crazy idea, and maybe some of these things will be good. And you had people on the other side who said, look, once these things are tried, it's going to be hard to get them out, even if you don't like them, because if it makes more money for the owners, they're not going to want to give it up. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. I don't think anyone really thinks this is a good idea in terms of the quality of baseball – I've told you before, I think my New York Mets are god-awful. They do not deserve to be anywhere near the playoffs. And they're not going to make it. But they shouldn't even be in the conversation at this point. Their season should have been over, relevancy-wise, weeks ago. And it's not because of the stupid expanded playoffs. And I understand the point of, well, you keep all these small market teams in it, and so people in these cities that usually would never have a chance to compete with the big boys, now they have a shot to get into the playoffs. And maybe that means less teams tank. I hear that. I just... I can't get behind the idea of seeing a team that really has no business being in the conversation getting into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, the Orioles are – maybe as of today they're mathematically out of it, but it was very – they might still be in it. And that's a joke. That team should be nowhere near the playoffs. And it's it's just such, you know, a three-game series – if it was the Orioles and the Rays as the number one and the number eight seed, I mean, the Orioles could win a three game series. You could win two out of three and it's a shame that that has to happen. I mean, I hate it. I'm not a fan. I agree that it was a good thing to try everything this season, but once again, Rob Manfred just looks like an absolute fool. All right, Jared, this week, we have a very special guest. Really excited about it. You ready? I am as excited as you are, Bobby. Let's do this. Let's do this. So, this week we have, as promised, Jeff Perlman. He is a New York Times bestselling author of seven books. He is a former Sports Illustrated senior writer, where during his time he was also the author of that infamous John Rocker interview. He is a former ESPN.com columnist and a former staff writer for Newsday and the Nashville Tennessean. He contributes to the Bleacher Report and CNN.com, and most importantly, He has a brand new book coming out called Three Ring Circus, Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the Crazy Years of the Lakers Dynasty. It comes out tomorrow. Jeff, how's it going?
0: I'm always shocked when anyone says they're excited to hear me talk because in my house, where it's always been me and my two kids and my wife for the last six months isolated, nobody wants to hear me talk. So I'm actually really happy that someone (laughs) wants to hear me talk. And if it's okay with you. Would you guys mind if I just complain about like the dishes in the sink and also the guy, the neighbor's too loud and <laughs> everything we talk about? Is that okay?
1: No, 100%. It's all fair game on this one.
0: No, uh, the neighbor's way too loud and the dishes are in the sink. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate your time. And I guess let's, let's just jump right into it. So you have this new book coming out, which we're super excited about. But obviously with Kobe's untimely death, it makes for a bit of an odd dynamic what was it like to write this book about him and then hear of his passing?
0: It was really uh, jarring and off-putting and upsetting just as much, much more of a human being hearing about someone dying and leaving behind three kids and a widow. And um, it's a million times more about that. Like I can't stress that enough. And I'm not just saying that. It's a million times more about the sadness that was for people. And, A book is just a book, you know, it's not a big deal in the grand scheme. But this guy, you know, his family is devastated forever and he's gone forever. And his daughter and all these people are devastated are are gone. So that's the number one. And then the number two is here we sit and I have a book coming out tomorrow. And a lot of it is a not wonderful portrayal of Kobe Bryant from 1996 to 2004, which would be a lot easier to present if he hadn't died. You know, it's weird to talk about someone and uncomfortable to talk about someone in a negative way or have negative recollections, um, when someone died. And I don't, I don't have a cure for that. That's the thing. Like, I don't, people are like, well, you can do this or you can do that. Or maybe don't include Eagle Colorado or maybe more time. We need more time. It's like, well, it's been almost nine months. It's not a small amount of time. And how can you write about, uh, 96 to 04, not include Eagle Colorado. Not, so I don't, I'm as confused by it all as anyone. I don't quite know how to how to deal with it.
2: Jeff, I think you'd agree that people are more willing to talk about um, people who are still alive than people who, who have passed on already. So I'm wondering if anyone reached out to you, anyone you had spoken to in writing the book after Kobe passed and, and asked you, you know, or even just expressed some regret or concern about something that you that you were going to put in the book and, and I just wonder how different you think the book would have been if you had been still in the process of writing it when Kobe passed
0: that's a great question um I had one player who read the book not after it was done and everything I never show people before it was done but it was done and he asked for a copy and he'd been really nice so I gave him a copy and I won't use his name just out of for his privacy but he he wasn't so positive about Kobe in the book and he was He was definitely a little nervous about it. You know, he was a little shaken by it because it's just different. It's just different. It's different when you're talking about someone and they're no longer here. It's just uncomfortable. And the truth of the matter is, I would say 60% of the interviews in this book are different. Um, That's just a guesstimation, but are different if they're done when Kobe is is dead, especially when he's recently died. So if I talk, is Samaki Walker going to delve into the details of a fight he had with Kobe Bryant? Uh, two weeks after Kobe ryan has gone, I don't really think so. You know, and I, I understand that. So it it's definitely a drastically different book if it's done at a different time. There's no doubt about it.
1: If we if we pivot here a bit and get into really the meat of the book, you know, given the well-documented tribulations of Kobe and Shaq and the things they went through. Do you think any other coach would have had the same success that Phil Jackson did with those kind of combustible elements? Or was this really a uniquely Phil Jackson success story?
0: I'm going to be unsexy in that answer and say, (laughs) I'm sure there are some coaches who could have done okay. You know, it's not like there are other great coaches out there. Like, would Pat Riley have handled it well? Yes, I think Pat Riley would have handled it well. You know, there are certain really great NBA coaches who just get the read in the room and understand how to do it. Like Doc Rivers. I think Doc Rivers was built for this kind of Mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. But not many. I mean, the problem is, like, there's a balance between leaving it alone and letting the players be players and intervening so they know, all right, it's enough. And it's a really fine balance. Like, when Kurt Rambis was the interim coach, players just drove them crazy how much he coddled Kobe Bryant. When Dale Harris was a coach, the he drove was crazy how he would just talk and talk endlessly. Those guys are both smart basketball people, but they had little things. And Phil Jackson just – he was the right guy at the right time where he knew hands-off was the way to go. Um, and that's kind of how it was. So are there are other – could have worked with other coaches, of course. There are some coaches that would have worked. Not that many, though. Jeff, the
2: NBA obviously now um, in the modern age, given all the technology and social media and things like that, is a very different kind of beast than it was, you know, 20 years ago during the during the meat of this dynasty. When, you know, the only if you're living on the East Coast, like the only access you had to Laker games is a couple of nationally televised games and sports center highlights, and, and that was mm-hmm. pretty much it. Right. Do you think, you know, if if we if we put them in a time machine and, and bring this to today and where social media is such a big part of, of what the NBA is. Do you think this kind of, this team blows up even earlier than it did? Or, you know, I, I wonder what, what kind of impact you think that might've had.
0: You know, it's weird. Cause it wasn't, it's a weird little time frame. It wasn't that long ago. Like this doesn't feel like that long ago. And then you're like, wow, that last year was 16 years ago. That's a pretty good chunk of time. Um, I think uh, Shaq is made for the modern era. I really do. I think he's, made for social media and made for retweets and Instagram posts and TikTok videos and blah, blah, blah. That is all him. I think Kobe would have been a bit of a clumsy fit. And you probably would have known more about Kobe and sort of the awkwardness of his personality and the difficulties he had socially uh, if everyone always had a camera on you, you know? Um, so I I think that would have been okay. They weren't These guys were not... It's not like you're blasting people out of the 1970s and asking them to be in Modern Times. right? But, um, but it would have been... It would have been okay, just an awkward Kobe fit, I think. Given that the book
1: deals a lot with Kobe and Shaq's feud, you know, I, I don't know if you want to give away too much of the book, but how, how did this feud start? Like, what was the starting thing of this? And then at the end, what was the, I guess, the straw that broke the camel's back that led to Shaq getting traded to the heat?
0: Yeah, so um, I don't know if you could say there's an official, official beginning, but... You know, Kobe shows up in his first camp. He's super cocky, self assured. Um, When all the players introduce themselves, this is in Hawaii, 1996. They go around the room, Hey, I'm so and so. Hey, I'm so and so. And Kobe goes, Hey, I'm Kobe from Lower Marion. And uh, just to be clear, ain't nobody here going to punk me. And (laughs) he was 18 years old. Not only was he 18 years old, he wasn't even able to participate in camp because he had broken a, a wrist playing pickup in Venice Beach. It's like the dumbest injury of all time. You know why? <laughs> so it wasn't great. And then Shaq nicknamed him showboat early on. And that was not a compliment. It was, you know, look at this guy, always trying to do a million things on his mm-hmm. own. He was a, Kobe was a tough rookie for Dell Harris. A really tough rookie. Dale Harris deserves a lot of credit because Kobe was not easy. And he, it's weird. Like Kobe, if you think about it, Kobe Bryant, Jermaine O'Neal entered the league at the same time, both out of high school. Jermaine O'Neal goes to Portland. He absorbs everything. He doesn't make a peep. He doesn't complain. They play me five minutes. If they play me no minutes, it's okay. I'm a rookie. I'm out of high school. Kobe expected to start. He looked at Eddie Jones and thought he was better than Eddie Jones. He was asking Dell Harris, are there plays when you can clear out Shaq and have me post up and get me the ball? <laughs> Dell Harris is like, buddy, you're, you're freaking 18 years old. At one point, there's was a game when Kobe, he pulls Del pulls Kobe from the game and says, when you decided to enter the draft, you decided you were ready for manhood and I'm treating you like a man. And it's just, you know, Shaq was used to people wanting to be his little buddy. He was like used to people wanting to be Robin to his Batman. Mm-hmm. And Kobe didn't want that. And Kobe never showed an interest in that. And it kind of drove Shaq crazy. You know, he wanted, he wanted to be the guru and Kobe was the one guy who was like, I don't care. I don't even want it. So there was always that hanging over it. Um, Kobe couldn't stand that Shaq, he and his views didn't work hard enough. He couldn't stand that Shaq didn't improve his free throw shooting. He just looked at himself as this hard-nosed guy, and he thought, Shaq isn't this. And that was for years. And then when you go to the end, I mean, that last season is the craziest season ever. O three O four is one of the weirdest basketball seasons ever for a single team. Lakers had Carmelo and Gary Payton, so now they're a super team. Right. Shaq wants his contract renegotiated. Jerry Buss isn't budging. Phil Jackson wants his contract renegotiated. Jerry Buss isn't budging. Um, Kobe is a free agent who is basically going to the Clippers and has decided he's going to the Clippers. Um, Meanwhile, he's been flying back and forth from Eagle, Colorado to find out whether he's going to go to prison for 20 years for rape. It's a crazy time. Kobe is is furious that Shaq never called him during the trial in the offseason. He's just upset. He's really hurt by that. He thinks Shaq is just out of shape at this point and gone. And there is a moment um, after they lose game five of the NBA finals to Detroit when Kobe says to Kareem Rush, his teammate, he says, if that guy, I am not playing with that MF or ever again. Yeah. And that was it. I mean, that was it. Jerry Buss basically had to make a decision. I mean, either keeping Kobe Bryant or losing him to the Clippers in the same building we play in. Or I'm trading Shaq, who's a little long in the tooth and a little out of shape. And getting rid of Phil Jackson and moving on with this Kobe-centered plan, and that's what they did. It was super messy and awkward.
2: It's crazy. I can't even imagine Kobe Bryant in a Clippers jersey, Bobby. That's <laughs> absurd.
0: <laughs> it almost uh, happened. Yeah, there was one game that year when um Mike Dunleavy was the head coach of the Clippers at that point, and during a during a uh, I think a timeout, uh, or they're standing on the sideline together, and Kobe says to Dunleavy, "Get me out of here." So. <laughs> I mean, wow!
2: God. I mean, it's just it's it's it feels like what I mean can't even imagine what what the NBA looks like if that uh it's if so that different. Ever happened. But yeah, Jeff, you mentioned earlier that this is it's not something that was such a long time ago. Like you said, this ended you know 2004. Um, yeah. You know, we're only talking 16 years ago. We're not talking about you know like some team from the, the 60s or 70s that you know that um, that a lot of people never that a lot of people alive today would would not have seen play. So I'm wondering. You know, with that in mind, was there anything that surprised you, or that, or that caught you off guard in, in terms of researching it and writing this book?
0: See, now if I were, uh, it would have to be a pretty bad. I'd have to be a really bad journalist to have the answer be no. Like, imagine if I was like, no, nope, nothing. <laughs> 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 not exactly what I expected. That's what you know. No, um, I mean, you know, it's funny. I've been doing a lot of promoting for the book, and I try not to tell the same stories because there were so many things that surprised me here. I actually love, and I haven't answered this as one of them, but I will. There's a period in 1999 when Dennis Rodman comes to the Lakers. It's the greatest freaking thing ever. He so he is a new Laker. Kurt Rambis is a new coach. Right at the same time, Dell Harris is fired. Uh, they signed Dennis Rodman. Kurt Rambis is the interim coach of the Lakers. I actually I, I interviewed Kurt Rambis while he was sunbathing at his community pool, which is kind of funny. <laughs> he told me he told me. Uh, he greets Rodman, and he's like, hey, Dennis, happy to have you here. And Dennis is like, yeah, coach, so um, I just need a few a few weeks in Vegas before I start playing so I can clear my head. Is that cool with you? And Kurt Ramos is like, wait, what the fuck are you talking about? You just signed up to be on the Lakers. <laughs> I'm in Vegas. And then, like, Ram- uh, Rodman is the only guy any of these guys ever met who <laughs> would shower before the games and not after. He literally would shower before the game. <laughs> and not after the game. That's
1: such a Rodman thing to do.
0: Such a Rodman thing to do. And he would, um, you know, he would just show up and take naps on the court. He would do these really deliberate things like show up. If you had to be there, he was always testing you, but for no real great reason. Like, he loved testing his coaches. So, all right, everyone needs to be here at 6. It's 6.03. Here's Dennis Rodman. 6.05. Here's Dennis Rodman. And the other guy who I loved in this book like that was J.R. Ryder, who was here for a season. And, you know, Daryl Ryder, a famous slam dunk champ, super athlete, a little bit out there. And Ryder played one year with this. It was the year they beat the Sixers in the finals. He was kind of a bust with the Lakers. And um, three things that happened to him that I love. Number one, he overslept practice one day and he had the front desk clerk at whatever hotel they were staying in write a note for him to give to Phil Jackson. Dear coach, my name is Kurt. I'm the front desk clerk here at the Hyatt. Uh, we forgot to give Dennis his wake-up call. So he, he's late because of us. Sorry about that. And Dennis Rodman <laughs> hands that note to Phil Jackson. Number two, Dennis Rodman had to miss a few – I mean, uh, J.R. Ryder had to miss a few practices because his car broke down. So he missed three practices, but he lived 300 yards from the practice facility. <laughs> 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 and then number three is um, they're in Toronto and they have to go through customs. And when you go through customs, there are all the dogs at the customs uh, – at the border. Patrol and this dog just starts barking at JR Ryder and going crazy. And they detain JR Ryder. And it turns out he wasn't detained, he had no marijuana on him, but his tracksuit smelled so much like marijuana that the dog went crazy and they actually detained him at (laughs) custom. That is
1: (laughs) all of that is insane.
0: Yeah, he's the best. He's one of my favorite characters. Did you? I don't know if you're. Did I tell you how I got J.R. Ryder for this book? Did, no. Did, no. Oh, it's one of my – so I had an address for him but not a phone number. And JR Ryder, when he was in the NBA – first of all, JR Ryder super smart and a really nice guy actually, but he's a little out there. And during mm-hmm. his time in the NBA, I have at least two instances where he told reporters – he would drive up to a reporter who he was mad at and say, I know where your family lives. And <laughs> Oh, my God. So, so I had an address but no phone number for J.R. Ryder, and I was going to be in Arizona, so I decided I would knock on J.R. Ryder's door. So I drive to JR Ryder's house, the address I have, and first a kid answers, then a woman comes to the door. And I tell her I'm looking for JR Ryder, I'm a writer, And then JR Ryder comes to the door, and he doesn't look happy at all. And he's like, who are you? I'm like, hey, my name's Jeff Perlman. I'm a, writing a book about the Lakers, and you were on the Lakers. And he's like, whoa, you just show up at my door? Are you kidding me, you just show up at my door? Bro. No, bro, no, bro, that's so no. <laughs> then he opens the door and he comes out. Definitely bigger than I am. But bro, what the f man? That's not, that's so not cool. You don't, then he sees I have my last book was about the US of L and I'm holding it just to prove I'm somebody, a writer. Yeah. He goes, what's that book? I was like, well, it's a book I wrote about the US of L. He goes, that's Trump, right? Trump owned a team. I'm like, yeah. He's like, what are you working on now? It's like I'm doing a book about the, uh, the Shaq Kobe era. You know, you played there. All right, bro, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you. <laughs> gave me two hours on the phone. Couldn't do it right there. He gave me two hours on the phone. And he was great.
1: That's incredible. Also, props to you for just showing up at the door. That's great.
0: I'm either... I probably knocked on... I, I tell people this. It's one of my things. I have a lot of flaws as a journalist that I'm happy to list. I like knocking on doors. I like the nervous energy. Mm-hmm. of knocking on a door and not knowing who's going to open and what's going to be there. It is something – it's the equivalent for me of like ride, my, riding a motorcycle or skydiving. You it's, know, it's
1: such an adrenaline rush.
0: It, it is. is. It really is. And then when it works, it's awesome. When it doesn't work, it's still okay. When nobody answers, it's just like, oh, well, that sucks. It feels like between that story and and interviewing Kurt
2: Rambis at his community pool, there might be another book just about how you got these guys to talk about your book.
0: (laughs) Well, my Phil Rambis stories. Do I I mean my uh, Kurt Rambis? Do you want to hear Kurt Rambis? Absolutely. So Phil Jackson lives in Montana and I didn't know how to get him, but Jeannie Buss, the owner of the Lakers, very nice person used to date him. So I just texted her or I emailed her and I was like, you I'm having trouble getting Phil. Do you have any advice? And she said, well, let me see. I'll email him. She writes me back and she said, um, All right, Phil said you can email him. I emailed him. He wanted to do it over the phone. I said, uh, how about can I come out and see you in Montana? He's like, all right, yeah, sure. Come out. Meet me at a coffee shop. We'll meet. I meet him at this coffee shop. We sit down. I'm like, first of all, I want to thank you for doing this. And he goes, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for Jeannie. (laughs) And I'm like, well, this isn't going to last long. (laughs) And he goes, I thought I would take you for a ride around Flathead Lake. i like, all right. Three-hour ride, I think, around Flathead Lake. We stop for lunch. We're driving. It's great. It's beautiful. He's just showing me around. Then he's like, "You want to come back to my house? We can keep talking." My house. All right, I'll go back to your house, Phil Jackson. I go back to his house, sitting on the patio. There's like a, at one point, there's a stray cat walking around, and we're in rocking chairs. And Phil Jackson accidentally rocks his chair over the cat's tail, and the cat goes meow. And Phil Jackson's like, "Oh my god, sorry." Then <laughs> he takes a nap. I just want to say for the record, I was once with former Met pitcher Jesse Orosco when he accidentally ran over a cat in a Humvee. So Oh my God. You don't want to be with me when when you're if you're a cat (laughs) and I'm interviewing someone. So very (laughs) very unlucky. Yeah. So um, then he's like, we're done at his house. He's like, Yeah, I think I'm gonna take a nap. Um, you want to meet for dinner later? He's like, Great. Met for dinner later. So I basically won the like spend nine hours or eight hours with Phil Jackson in Montana. It was one of the (laughs) coolest days of reporting I've ever had.
1: That's wild. (laughs) All right. Well, that's incredible. (laughs) So, okay. So, to 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 bring it back to the book quickly, you know, you you have this book coming out tomorrow. It's very exciting. What do you hope your readers are going to take away from this book when they finish reading it?
0: More than anything, and I, I, I should have a more profound answer. I just want people to enjoy it. Like it was a great time to be a basketball fan. It was a great time to. Watch the NBA, and you have these large characters. Like, I don't know, twenty twenty sucks, right? It sucks for all of us. It's crazy that we're yep. not more bonded. Like, why isn't the world, or at least why isn't America, more bonded on the fact that this sucks for everyone? Whether you love Trump or love Biden, like it sucks. It's a 100%. Year, hundred percent, right? And it sucks, so we're not bonded over that. It actually drives me crazy. So, here's a good idea: whether it's my book or someone else's book, or whatever, like read a book, enjoy, like kick back, have a beer or soda or whatever, a coffee. And just like read a book for a few hours. And if you get some enjoyment out of it and a little escapism, I don't have any, I'm not really looking for anything else. I'm not looking to change the world.
2: That is, that's really cool. That's, I mean, I appreciate your honesty. And and just before we, before we let you go, Jeff, just tell people where they can find the book and and where they can find you and, you know, other books that you've written.
0: Well, you have two, uh, two options here. If you send me a check for a thousand dollars, I can send you a book directly. (laughs) Otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you are, that is an option I am keeping open. Otherwise, you can, um, you know, whatever, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, whatever, your local bookseller, your independent bookstores, it's, you know, it'll be out there uh, places. And I, uh, I'm i on Twitter at Jeff Perlman, and my website's jeffperlman.com, and I always answer questions. If you reach out to me, you will always get a reply. Um, I just appreciate that people read the books. You know, it's a tough time to be a writer, so I'm appreciative.
1: Amazing. Again, Jeff Perlman, three-ring circus, Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the crazy years of the Lakers dynasty. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on and for your time.
0: I just want to say also to you guys, if you end up knocking on a door and someone shoots you, I am not responsible. (laughs) To be clear, I'm not responsible. (laughs) Duly noted. Duly noted. Okay. All right. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
2: Bobby, it is that time of the week again. Trivia time with the Quizmaster. How are you feeling about this week's
1: trivia? I'm feeling rejuvenated. I've had a week to sit on my sins. I am ready to come back better than ever and reclaim what is rightfully mine. The undisputed, unheralded, world heavyweight championship trivia trophy participation medal.
2: New year. We will see if it is a new man. And with that, I will bring in the quiz master to tell us exactly what we will be doing this week.
3: All right. So we picked the one day this week that there is no basketball, but that's okay because we're doing a basketball quiz to keep the uh, content rolling.
2: Fantastic. Let's do it. Uh,
3: So it's nice and simple this week. We go back to the old three, three strike format. There are 30 teams in the NBA and each team has an all-time leading scorer. Your job, give me a team. And their all-time leading scorer. I won't be so evil as to get you to guess the exact number of points they had. That that's just wrong. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay.
3: But okay. at least tell me a team and the, the leading scorer of all time. Okay. Simple enough.
1: Sounds sounds simple enough. And also, I have had some legendary gaps on this, so you know, is yeah, slightly nervous, but I'm ready. The
2: simple ones to be are nervous. the
3: scariest. Nothing to be nervous about, guys. It's, it's just naming the best basketball players of all time. You know, everyone can do that. Okay. We have to determine who goes first. Uh, yes. Who won last week? Jared did. Ah, uh, you don't sound happy about that. Jared, get us started.
2: Okay. This is an easy one. I'm going to go simple off the bat. The Utah Jazz leading scorer is Carl Malone.
3: Yes, it is. The mailman. And, and just to clarify, it is the all-time leading scorer of a, of while he was wearing that team's uniform. Right. So, if, if the guy played for two, three, four, five teams, but in, is the top
1: scorer of all time, he won't count.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So... I uh, I don't think his two years elsewhere will make a difference. <laughs> Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan. Yep.
3: And, yeah, it did not make a difference. And the Wizards' all-time leading scorer
2: is definitely not Michael Jordan. <laughs> no, I would not think so. But I do think the New York Knicks' leading scorer is Patrick Ewing. That it is. That it is.
1: Bobby, keep it rolling. Okay. All right. So this is – there's, like, a couple guys – is the Indiana Pacers' leading scorer Reggie Miller? Yes, it is. That's uh,
3: somebody has been watching the dance, the Last Dance, lately. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. great.
2: It was, it was a lot of fun. I will say it was a good show. Good one. Fantastic. Watch. Good content. A lot of, a lot of memes. I will say that the Miami Heat's leading scorer is Dwayne
1: Wade. That is correct. Bobby, care to wager a response? I do care to wager a response. I just want you to know I'm thinking about the Lakers and I'm staying away from it for obvious yeah. reasons. Yeah. I'm not touching that yet. Let's see here. Who else we got? It's an easy basket. I mean, you should just go for it. Uh, it's not an easy basket. Not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole yet. Oh, uh, okay. Um, all right. Let's do... Is Philadelphia's leading scorer of all time, Allen Iverson? It actually is not. Wow, let's strike one. Are you going right. to tell me who it
2: is? No, because no, I could guess it. Okay.
3: Yeah, go for it.
2: And I, honestly, I would have guessed Iverson, but I'm not. I'm going to hold off on that now because I have to think that the Cleveland Cavs' leading scorer is LeBron James.
3: Uh, yes, it is. And going back to Allen Iverson for a second, I just saw him on a commercial. He doesn't look like he's aged one bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's really amazing. Although, when was the last time he played basketball?
1: It's been a while.
3: A long time. It's been even longer since he's practiced, Uh, Bobby.
1: Nice. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. There's just there's a bunch here that I think I know, but I'm not convinced. Okay. How about how about the Dallas Mavericks? Yeah. How about the Dallas Mavericks? How about Dirk Nowitzki?
3: How about Dirk Nowitzki?
2: All right. That's a good one. That's a good one.
3: Yeah. He's up there.
2: Okay. I will go back to Bobby's one strike. And, I mean, this guy has to be leading scorer for somebody. Let's say it's, the, I guess, the Sixers slash Warriors. Let's go Bolt Chamberlain.
3: Okay. Now, I'm going to need you to clarify <laughs> okay 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 this this is makes a huge difference well as in pick
2: a side pick a team
3: the right. the Philadelphia I mean, Warriors and the Philadelphia 76ers are different franchises
2: fine then I don't want it then I don't want to do Chamberlain for the sixers I'll go with him for the Warriors that's correct okay nice work
3: that nice was work. very close though Jared you were towing a very fine
1: line mm-hmm i hedged a little can i ask a clarifying question you may okc and seattle same franchise or different franchises same franchise same franchise doesn't make it any easier does nope, it Nope, doesn't it not make it any easier it would have helped if you had said separate
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry no uh, no easy buckets here all right man um i really want to touch the lakers Jared, do you think you know the Lakers? It's it's one of two guys, but it's it's not a, it's not a slam dunk. Is the leading scorer all time of the Los Angeles Lakers the late great Kobe Bryant? It is. Okay. Okay.
3: I I know who you were thinking it was, and there's a good reason why he wasn't, and it, it may come clear later on.
2: Yeah, that's a hint. Yep. Okay. Um, Who else do we have on the board that would be easy? I I like what you did with Nowitzki, a guy that played in one place forever. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you a question, Tuck. Yeah, sure. Like, are the New Orleans Pelicans, are they associated with somebody else here?
3: Uh, (laughs) I'm going to say no, because they the the charlotte hornets did come back
2: right, right and i right.
3: believe they took the history it's like the cleveland browns kind of thing
2: right, right right okay so so unless i'm misunderstanding you i'm gonna say that the leading scorer for the new orleans pelicans is anthony davis that's correct
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. nice one nice one okay
2: yeah it was a good one
3: uh bobby you have one strike and that's all we're really counting here
1: the bucks are interesting the celtics i'm frightened of <laughs> oh boy a lot of the
3: easy ones are no longer on the board yeah yeah there's yeah. some that are
1: gettable there's some that you have to reach for toronto's also an easy not an easy one an interesting one he wasn't a score i oof oh man i don't know dude Let's go with, okay, so to be clear, Brooklyn Nets, New Jersey Nets, same, different? Absolutely the same. Absolutely the same. Okay. Leading score. Oh, man. <laughs> and then there's the Seattle and the Oklahoma City one. Oh, I mean, how? Oh, God. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a wild card out there, and this may sure. come off terrible, and that's okay. I just feel like he was there for a while and did some good stuff. Okay, is the leading scorer of the Toronto Raptors Chris Bosh? Strike two. That's what I figured. I'm I'm gonna jump
2: piggyback that and say it's Vince Carter.
3: Ah, strike one to Jared.
2: Damn. Wow.
3: It is neither of those two men. Wow. Okay. Okay. Here we go. I. Got it Oh
1: man.
3: Don't dwell on just the Raptors though. There's a few other teams that yep. we haven't gotten
1: to. I know, I know. Is the leading scorer of the Minnesota Timberwolves Kevin Garnett? That is. That's a good
2: one. Another good one for Bobby.
3: Yeah, he was there for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. He was the team for a long time.
2: Okay, now I mean we're getting we're getting into some scary territory here. I'm going to jump on something Tuck said earlier and say that the leading scorer for the Milwaukee Bucks is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That is correct. Mm -hmm. I dropped
1: enough of a hint there, yeah.
3: He also starred in Airplane, for those who are curious.
1: (laughs) You know what else is interesting here? The Spurs. The Spurs are an interesting Mm -hmm. one. Yep. Yes, they are. Is the leading scorer for the San Antonio Spurs, Tim Duncan?
3: That was a lot easier than you think it is. Okay. Yeah, it's totally Tim Duncan.
2: There were a few options there to go with. Duncan, obviously, is the longevity, but I was thinking maybe it's David Robinson. That's what I was thinking, too. Could yeah. it even be George Gervin? Apparently not. There's, there's two crown jewel franchises of the league, right? You already did the Lakers. Mm-hmm. We have the Celtics hanging out there. I feel like I have to go with the Celtics here. I'm a little worried about it,
0: mm. but I,
2: I'm going to go John Havlicek.
3: Wow, very nice. That is correct. Not a chance that I would have gone there.
2: Well done. Well done. (laughs) And you know what? He had a lot of points. Guy played a long time and played every game. Like, never missed a game. That is impressive.
3: Fun fact, he had 101 fewer points than Tim Duncan.
1: Wow. 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 Okay. All right. What are we left with, huh? Devin Booker played enough games in Phoenix (laughs) um boy that's a sketchy one I'm not gonna touch that one that seems that seems wrong
3: I'll I'll be honest I was looking through these names when I put this quiz together I'm just gonna say there are names that I have never heard of before (laughs) so I don't expect you to get all of them I'll tell you at the end of the quiz what they are and you're gonna be like that person can't
1: possibly be real (laughs) <laughs> oh man like I'm not going to touch Denver that's a mistake I'm not going to touch the Clippers that's a mistake <laughs> oh boy the Nets are interesting the Thunder are interesting
3: by the way just a reminder Bobby you have no strikes to play with I'm Jared, aware. Yeah, I get Jared's it one. I'm just reminding the the folks at home oh
1: <sighs> Boy, leading scorer for the Nets part of me wants to say it was also Vince Carter but I don't think it was I don't think he was there long enough I'm just going to talk out loud at this point because if I get it wrong it doesn't matter Jason Kidd's an interesting <laughs> option but he didn't score he wasn't a scorer which is why we're not going to touch that one <sighs> Houston's interesting oh yeah I forgot about Houston yeah, the wizard Is you know, the, the, the Gilbert Arenas no it, uh, maybe you know
2: <laughs> it's not like out of the realm of possibility but I don't think he was there long enough
3: I think Bobby's planting some seeds trying to get Jared to strike out before he does <laughs> there is think... a very possible chance that this is a good strategy just dropping names until he finds one or two and then things yep. the, "Yeah, This is
2: beautiful. I love it. Bobby, it's keep o- at it.
3: But
1: it's only beautiful if, if I get it. Like, none of this matters. down <laughs> strike. He's trying to
2: inception me right now.
1: All right. Uh, he wasn't there long enough. I know he wasn't there long enough. But I don't know who else I could possibly guess here. You know what? I know this is wrong. I accept that. OKC in Seattle. Is it Kevin Durant? Nope. Nope.
3: Uh, Jared, what's your next guess? Just uh, put a cap on it.
2: It was going to be for the Atlanta Hawks. The human highlight reel, Dominique Wilkins. Yep,
3: that's correct. Nice. Nice. So let's let's fill you guys in. Jared won. Uh, let's fill you guys in on the names that you didn't get. And I'm going to get a lot of, ah, oh, I should have got that guy. Let's we'll start with the Brooklyn Nets. We're going alphabetically. Uh, Brooke Lopez. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: That's surprising. I okay. okay.
3: It is surprising, but if you think about it, Carter was only there for a few years. Kid wasn't right. a scorer like you said and yeah. they didn't have too much talent anywhere else. Like think about it. Uh the Charlotte Hornets, we got Kemba Walker. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to do that. Mm-hmm. The Denver Nuggets, Alex English.
2: Mhm. Okay.
3: Uh, Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas. Oh, man, that's a
2: dumb one. You know what? I, yeah. That's a dumb think, one. Got
3: that. That's gettable. This is also very gettable. Houston Rockets, Hakeem Olajuwon.
2: That was going to be my next yep. guess after Wilkins yep. if we kept yep. going.
3: Um, Los Angeles Clippers, Randy Smith. Nope. <laughs> nope. I have no <laughs> not, idea who that is. That could have not. been anybody. Um, Memphis Grizzlies, you got Mike Conley. Okay. That's surprising. OKC is Russell Westbrook. Wow. wow. He scored enough. The or- This one was surprisingly gettable. The Orlando Magic was Dwight Howard.
2: You know what? I was a little hmm. worried hmm. about it because he- you don't think of him as like a scorer. He was there, but not for such a long time. Cause, like, is there a chance it was Shaq? I don't know.
1: He wasn't or, like, there long a lady. enough. No, it couldn't have been Shaq. T-Mac, T-Mac would have been an interesting guess.
3: Or Penny Hardaway going way back when. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, for the Phoenix Suns, you have Walter Davis, which is another totally generic name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Portland Trail Blazers, C- Clyde Drexler. Uh, uh, okay, okay. Sure yeah, that's, sure it, that's that. the one we should have gotten. Another one that could have been gotten, it, it, the team was a little confusing. The Sacramento Kings is Oscar Robertson.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's it. that's confusing,
3: though. Uh, both of you guys uh, took a swing at the Raptors and missed. The correct answer is DeMar DeRozan.
1: Wow. Damn. And the Washington Wizards was Elvin Hayes. Well, Quizmaster, thank you so much. Uh, This quiz was fun and enjoyable. It wasn't good enough, though, because I didn't win. Therefore, it's not good enough. All right. We'll get you something next week. (laughs) Appreciate it. Jared, congratulations. Peace, boys. That is it for this week. Episode 21 in the books. Jared, we are legal. Yeah, Bobby. Somehow we managed to
2: get through that entire episode while drunk. So props to us. I don't know how we're going to top it for episode 22, but I could promise you listeners we will.
1: You're not going to want to miss it. Next week, another what did I miss? Some more trivia, some more fun and games. Tune in. Don't miss it. It's going to be great.
2: Yeah, and we, of course, want to thank the Quizmaster for giving us his time this week. And, of course, huge thanks to New York Times bestselling author Jeff Perlman for giving us a few minutes of his time. Go out and buy his book, Three Ring Circus. Comes out. By the time we're listening to this, actually, it'll already be out. So get on Amazon. Buy it. I promise you, you will not regret it. You can find us on Twitter at chatter underscore up. You can find us on Instagram at that same handle at chatter underscore up. And you can send us an email at chatteruppodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.
1: The podcast grows older. The podcast grows better. Jared, I'll see you next week, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. And we'll see you all next time on the next Chatter Up.